Welcome to The Church Door, a place where I can post my Bible studies and sermons for your listening pleasure. I'm the Reverend Matthew Fenn, pastor of St. Peter's Evangelical Lutheran Church in Stratford, Ontario. Thanks for tuning us in. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Before there's a birth, there has to be a conception. Conception takes place roughly nine months before a birth, give or take a few weeks. So why are we having a service tonight? Today we have paused in the midst of our season of fasting and repentance to take a moment to celebrate. Why? Well, think about it. What other church festival do you know of comes on the 25th of a month? That's right. Christmas. Christmas always falls on December 25th. And since we celebrate our Lord's birth on December 25th, nine months before that is March 25th, the feast of the Annunciation of our Lord, the day that Mary heard the word of God by the angel and conceived the Son of God, our Savior Jesus Christ. Like we just confessed in the Creed, conceived by the Holy Spirit on March 25th, born of the Virgin Mary on December 25th, nine months later. Today, we get to hear again the angel Gabriel and his startling, shocking claim that Mary will conceive in her womb and bear a son, and he will be great. That's certainly quite a bit for a young teenage girl to take in all at once, don't you think? Here's Mary, engaged to be married, still a virgin, being told by an angel that she was about to conceive a son without having a relation with a man. Many people today find that very difficult to believe in. It's impossible, they say. We live in an age of skeptics, don't we? We know how babies are made, they say. Virgins don't conceive. We all know this. But do not assume for a minute that Mary didn't know the facts of life either. How will this be since I do not know a man? She knows the birds and the bees. Sometimes we think that those people 2,000 years ago were all just a bunch of superstitious peasants and we're so glad that we know better now. You do not need the internet to know how babies are made. You don't need the internet to know how that virgins do not conceive. I'm sure Mary's parents knew this all too well, and they probably wondered what they were hearing when Mary came home to them one afternoon and said, Mom, Dad, guess what? I just got a visit from an angel who told me I'm going to be pregnant with the Son of God and the Messiah. 
We know that Joseph didn't believe the story. It took God himself to intervene with a dream to persuade him. You can imagine what the neighbors and the townsfolk were saying uh, and what they thought about her whispering around the town well. We know how small towns work. You can imagine the pain that Mary must have felt when she finds out that Joseph, her beloved, did not believe her. It's no wonder Mary ran off to the hill country of Judea for three months to see her cousin Elizabeth. Can a virgin conceive and bear a son like the prophet Isaiah said centuries before? Virgins do not ordinarily conceive children. That's impossible, some say. Sure it is. Absolutely impossible. Ordinarily, under normal circumstances, this is impossible. But God's involved. And that, that means this is not an ordinary circumstance. When God is involved, there is no such thing as impossible. The angel Gabriel does not give us any doubt in our minds who the Father is. The Father is God Himself. God is the Father. Jesus is not only going to be her Son, He will be the Son of the Most High. And how is this going to happen? Well, the Holy Spirit would come upon her and the power of the Most High, the Creator, would Himself overshadow her. This child would not be a son of God. He will be the son of God. Like father, like son. The creator God, who is almighty, who created the world, who upholds and sustains the universe, who keeps it running, takes up residence in a virgin's womb. The creator becomes the creature. God becomes a man. The fullness of deity decides to dwell in the womb of a human mother. And our humanity, when it's at its most basic and helpless form, is embraced by God himself. Being called the Son of God tells us that there's a unique relationship between Jesus and God. It points to Jesus' divinity. And this Son of God will also be the promised King. The angel Gabriel says he will give him the throne of his father David. God's kingdom is everlasting. And God has promised that he himself would be king over his own people. And at the same time, the first century Jews understood kingdom to refer to the lost golden age, the age of King David and King Solomon, when all the 12 tribes were united and gathered around the kingdom in Jerusalem. This is an announcement of a royal birth. We know all about royal births, don't we? This is more than just an announcement of a royal birth. This is the announcement of the restoration of a kingdom that has long been lost. 
This child will be the Messiah, the king promised to the house of David. The child to be born, the child that Gabriel tells Mary that she will bear, this Jesus will be the great Davidic Messiah who will bring in the kingdom of heaven, who will bring in an eternal kingdom of everlasting peace and blessedness to God. God had promised more than that, that this David, this descendant of David, would reign forever. Not only over Israel, but over the whole world. Jesus is the true king, the true ruler of the world, in a way which leaves Caesar and all other rulers of the world far behind. We can see why suddenly this story is very controversial. It doesn't really have to do with the virgin birth. No, the fuss and bother over why Mary, how Mary could conceive Jesus, Jesus without a human father is because deep down, we don't want to think that there might be a king who could claim the sort of absolute obedience and the absolute allegiance that God does. We all have this natural aversion to the idea of Jesus being king. We don't want God to be king. Because when, if God's king, that means we don't get to call the shots. That means that we're accountable for what we have to do. It means that we live in a world that's broken and damaged. We live in a world where we have to live with the results of our own evil choices. And that evil happens when the, we choose to live our lives in rebellion against the king. We don't want Jesus to be king because that means we can't do whatever we want. And we really like doing what we want. We want God, if we do want God, we want God to be a genie who comes when we call him and does our bidding, gives us fancy things. We don't want to be subjects of God, the God of the Bible. Mary's son is going to reign, though, and he's going to reign upon the throne over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. That's going to happen, whether we like it or not. This kingdom has no end. There's no limit to its spatial dimensions. No river is going to contain it, neither is any mountains or sea going to stop it. It reaches around the whole world. This king shall reign forever. His rule will last throughout all the ages. It will even include the last generation that will ever live on this earth. And yet, this king is no tyrant. He's not cruel. He's not demanding. He's loving. He cares for us. He wants to help us. How do we know this? Well, today, the angel says to the virgin, for nothing will be impossible with God. But next week, one week from today, the virgin's son will say, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Today, 
the mother prays, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. And a week from today, her son will pray, Yet not what I will, but what you will. This child, this one, announced by the angel, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, this Jesus has become your king. What does it mean for Jesus to become my king, your king? First off, it means you didn't have a king. You rebelled against God. You were captive and under, under the power of the devil. You were condemned to death and entangled in sin and blindness. It means also that despite your rebellion, Jesus sought you and he bought you. He bought you from sin. He bought you from the devil. He, brought, he bought you from death and from all evil. God became man, conceived by the Holy Spirit, without sin, born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered, he died, and he was buried that he might make satisfaction for you, that he might pay what you owe. Not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood shed for you. All of that in order to become your king. Now, you belong to him. He's claimed you as his own. You get to live by God's grace under his kingdom in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness. Even as he's risen from the dead and lives and reigns to all eternity. This is most certainly true. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to The Church Door. Thanks again for tuning in. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, you can reach me, Pastor Matthew Fenn, at revfenn, R-E-V-F-E-N-N, at icloud.com. Look forward to having you with us again next time.